0: It's Jason here. Um, normally, I would do an impression uh, of an actor of a movie that we have previously watched uh, at this point, um, but that's not going to happen right now. And the reason is because I have to tell you something. I have a secret that I've been hiding inside these last few weeks since the very first episode. And the secret is this I'm not actually Jason, I'm actor Daniel Day Lewis. Yes, I've been pretending to be Jason for these last six weeks. As you'll understand, I spent almost six months researching Jason's life, his friends, his uh, interests, and I brought it here and put it uh, uh, to work, as it were, in this role. Now, I'm going to be leaving uh, after this particular episode, and Jason himself, whom I've let out of the closet in which I had him locked, will be joining uh, the cast officially. So, I ask you to enjoy Jason. Uh, and I thank you for listening to me and doing an impression of Jason, and I hope you enjoyed today's film on this podcast called For Screen and Country.
1: Thank you. Watch Lincoln. Wow. I am shocked right now. <coughs> oh, that was a dusty closet.
0: Oh, hi, Brendan. Why, why did Daniel D. lewis drive me off here? What's going on?
1: Oh, well, well, Jason, I hope he briefed you the, on the way over. He didn't
0: tell me a lot. He was uh, he, he just kept doing his Abraham Lincoln impression the whole time and basically reciting the 14th Amendment, which is only
1: about a paragraph. So it got rolled real fast. Well, basically, Jason, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to pause here. I'm okay. going to tell you everything up to this point off, okay. off, off air. And then I think when we get back, it'll be just like nothing ever happened. Oh, OK, so here we go. All right. okay so you got it wow yeah you understand man. now yeah I get it I, really agree, I, I totally get it you agree with what everything fake Jason uh, oh, did, said did,
0: did Mr. Day-Lewis said yeah, absolutely yes, no, He, he really he really did know me he really dug deep I mean there's some things that he knew that I haven't told anyone so uh wow yeah, that
1: thing about the he's uh, really an amazing actor that thing about the toilet i, I don't know mm, if i need to know that yeah, well i mean don't no shame but thanks brendan i appreciate your non-judgment <laughs> holy moly we've got a uh an episode for you today yep. uh we are wa- we are well, we're not watching. We did watch. We already watched it. We already watched it. We are not watching this as we do the podcast. <laughs> this I is mean... not a live commentary. Please do not sync this with your copy of 1965's Darling. Absolutely. Now, which is... uh,
0: uh, yes, which is a movie. Uh, we have confirmed, in fact, it is a movie. It is on celluloid. <laughs> yes.
1: But before we talk about Darling... There's a very Shatner-esque approach to that transition. But before we talk about Darling,
0: we. You're putting should... Brit- you putting British in his accent? What are you doing? You should not do this. You don't do accents very well at all, Brennan. i William Shotner! Yeah, see, that's terrible. See, unlike my perfect accents like Alec Guinness, see? That sounds exactly like Alec Guinness. Absolutely exactly like Alec Guinness. <laughs> but
1: anywho. Yes. Uh, we have questions from uh, our questions and comments, mostly comments yeah. from last week's episode where we talked about my left foot, the story of Christy Brown, starring Daniel Day Lewis, who confused us. Yes, confused he's a, me. He's a slippery bugger. He <laughs> locked Jason up. Confused me. Uh, I'm glad to I've... have the real Jason back. He's a I... monster. He's history's
0: greatest monster. <laughs>
1: it will be shown. I assure you. <laughs> yeah. The final days is about him, right? I used to
0: like him, but over the last weeks, I've been it's been brewing inside me, and yes, he is history's greatest monster. But well, we're going to talk about the movie he was in, which actually was pretty darn good.
1: Well, the first comment uh, is a very is a very gushing compliment to Daniel Day-Lewis, mm, well, which I'm I'll sure you'll slide. take exception to.
0: I'll let it slide this time for the purposes of this podcast. Let's go. Let's, uh, get, from, let's get it over
1: with. From Chad Hager says, this is an absolutely terrific film, and Daniel Day-Lewis is just amazing in it. Well, he is. I like this because this person actually didn't see the movie. But they said, I never got to see it, but as a kid I always thought for some reason that it was a family film by title alone, possibly based on a song by Raffi. When I I got older and realized that it's a hell of a lot darker than that, it interested me, but I still haven't found any outlet that has a copy of the movie, and that's from Robert James Cole. That's what the internet's for, Robert James Cole. Have you ever looked around? In fact, I bet you Archive.org has a copy of it. I can't say they do, but they seem to have everything else these days. And tell your sister Nat. I'm a big fan. Natalie. Natalie Cole. <laughs> no, nothing. Alright, moving on. But what do we got next from Donna Raphael? Donna Raphael says June Diane's
0: sister, I'm assuming. I love this film. It was probably the first art house type film I watched in a the theater. I was thirteen, I think. Wow. And totally ignited my love of movies, because at the time, most stuff I saw was typical 13-year-old stuff. Big action blockbusters or bad comedies, which, while enjoyable on some level, never really made me go, I love movies! This movie made me really treasure great acting and directing and engaging stories. So, that's, yeah, it's a solid movie. So, glad you liked it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: Sorry, I'm just trying to... Do we have
0: anybody that hates this movie?
1: (laughs) Uh... Do we have anyone that hates it? I don't know, but Holden Martinson certainly doesn't hate it. Because this was an early favorite of his. Okay. Uh, he must have been 13 or 14 when he saw it. Uh, and I, I, now i got to do it all in third person. And it's really difficult to change all the words. Do, so it, gonna, do it on the fly. Yeah, I'm going to pretend I'm Holden Martinson Pretend you're him now. and read it. Yeah, that's what I like. And I do. sought it out since it had been a rewards player when it was released. For a long time, it was a favorite of mine. I rented it from Netflix, and I must have watched it a half dozen times. I haven't seen it since, but I remember loving Daniel Day-Lewis, and I especially loved the relationship he had with his parents, though the ending came a little out of nowhere for me. Bravo. Bravo, Brendan. Now, listeners at home, we're having a new contest. Uh, count how many accents I changed in that, <laughs> in that 30 seconds. <laughs> you win, Um, I don't know, Jason will send you his underwear or something. I've got lots. Uh, so yeah, no, the ending, yeah, the ending was a little tacked on, yeah. where he kind of just got with that girl that was uh, t- kind of taking care of him.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think partly, wait, what, what year was this movie made? Was this movie made before this guy died or after this guy died? Because there was uh, that whole end of his life that uh, that they mentioned briefly at the end of the credits, but his whole like story there that would have been an interesting thing, it would have
1: been depressing as hell, but. I'm pretty sure it was after. Because I think he died in 1986, so what was this movie? 86, so yeah, it would have been after, because okay. it was made in 89. Yeah, I mean, they,
0: they, they had so much more to do, but I guess they wanted to end on a high note, so they kind of had to go that route.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the, the person he was with may not have been as, uh, you know, may not have been actually as positive as she was portrayed in the movie. Yeah. What does Anita Chansey have to say? Or maybe maybe Chauncey, I'm Chauncey, not sure. Anita Chansey? She says, I totally understand
0: why this movie is considered a great film as it is, but I but personally, it was a film I was okay with seeing just once. I'd agree with that. Like, it's not a... Again, it's not a rewatchable movie. It's, it's, as I say about Schindler's List, it's not a movie that we're all going to say, let's all get fucked up and watch My Left Foot, you know? Uh-huh. Like we might
1: with Super Troopers, for instance. Mm-hmm. Or uh, la- uh, Last Year at Marion Bad.
0: <laughs> That's your go-to. Yep. When you're drinking. <laughs> yep.
1: <laughs> uh, okay, this blew my mind, and I didn't even think about it. Maybe you did, and we just didn't even mention it, but Ryan Terry says... It also co-stars the bird lady from Home Alone 2 as Christy's mother. That was her! Huh. Brenda Fricker is also the bird lady in Home Alone 2. That's cool. I haven't seen Home Alone 2 in many years, so I don't even remember her, but... Yeah.
0: That's cool. She's basically
1: the dude with the shovel, but that movie's version.
0: Oh, okay, so the creepy character.
1: <laughs> that turns out to be have a lot more going on. Was was that dude with the shovel also played by
0: some famous British actor that nobody overheard? Daniel Day-Lewis. Oh, my god, <laughs> he's everywhere. Uh from Ryan Ace her camp. This is one of the best performances I've ever seen. I think this may have been my introduction to DDL This are Gangs of New York, I assume he means. Uh, and not the Warriors, because I don't <laughs> think Daniel Day-Lewis was in the Warriors. But then again, he's a great actor. He he could very well have been, and I just didn't notice.
1: <laughs> he was he was in it when it was just called Gangs. He's one of the Baseball Furies. <laughs> yep. The Baseball Furries, yeah. I thought they were. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> that would have been such a much more interesting movie.
0: Yeah, well, the, they were going to remake the Warriors at some point, so there's your angle, guys.
1: Make sure the Baseball Furries are one of the Gangs. You get that one for free. <laughs> just kidding. Pay me. And the last one, do you want to take this one or do you want me to take this? Sure. Okay. Uh, David Simpson.
0: David Simpson says, my opinion is the two central performances, Daniel Day-Lewis and I forgot who played his mum, uh, Brenda Fricker, uh, are fantastic. But overall, this is a rather listless film. I didn't enjoy it, and I've tried going back and watching it, and the performances are amazing.
1: Uh, the film that contains them is not. I think that's the debate we kind of had, too, is... Yeah. Uh, is uh, is this, this uh, a, a good movie with great performances or a great movie with great performances? I think it's a great movie with great performances, but I can see either side. Well, and I,
0: I think this is going to come up a lot uh, as we go through this list, but so many movies are going to be like movies where the plot isn't what matters. It, if it's even there, it ends up being like the performances. It ends up being the, the kind of texture of the movie. Uh, and this is a movie that has a lot of that, although this is you know very much focused on his story, like the story of his life. And the story of his life, you know, maybe it doesn't... Wrap up in a neat little ball for Hollywood.
1: Ooh. <laughs> getting, on your, getting on your soapbox again. Yeah, and another thing. <laughs> That's all I got, actually. And now we're going to find out how it compares to number 53 on the AFI list. All right, number 53, what was it and have we seen it is the question. 53 on the AFI is the Deer Hunter. Ooh, So what do you, What? Which one do you prefer?
0: Between my left foot and the Deer Hunter, eh? Yeah. Well, I will say my left left foot has the advantage of being considerably shorter. Mm. Doesn't uh, have a, a doesn't have a forty five minute wedding scene. I it was going to say that. eight hours, but that's probably how long it was. <laughs> uh, conversely, though, my left foot does not use any music uh, that uh, uh, would later be Tetris music. So, <sighs> Deer Hunter has that going for <laughs> it. Uh, I don't know. If that's a that. Yeah, I I would say like. If I had to watch one of these movies again, either The Deer Hunter or My Left Foot, I might pick My Left Foot. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, I, if I could suffer through that wedding again, I might enjoy watching The Deer Hunter. I mean, uh, God, what what a great set of performances Did in that you movie! Flip flopping John Kerry, yeah, motherfucker. I know it's, it's yeah. I'm swift boating myself here, but uh, <laughs> no, that like like that, that is a great movie with. Some, I mean, Bobby De Niro is great, and Chris Walken. Bobby and, De Niro, you guys, yeah, are yeah, we're real close. Bobby and I, we're real close. Um, now, yeah, uh, that's an interesting comparison and two very different movies.
1: I will say I think The Deer Hunter has more of a lasting legacy, mm-hmm. but I think, like you, I would be more open to rewatching My Left Foot yeah. because of the length, because the first hour is a bit of a slog in The Deer Hunter. I mean, oh, it's good.
0: It's a slog. Yeah. It's good. Oh, yeah, it's cool. Like, but it's well written, it's well
1: directed, and everything, but I think the movie only really picks up once Walken starts to lose his mind. Yeah, and once the Vietnam shit goes down. Yeah. Well, that being said, Jason, let's go into this uh this movie, this week's movie, 1965's Darling. So Darling, 1965, directed by John Schlesinger, 19, uh, 1965, 1965. we will no. establish right now this
0: movie was shot, and, and, well, maybe not shot, but certainly released in 1965.
1: Uh, John Schlesinger, who will pop up, I think, three more times on this list at some point. Uh, we don't know when, we don't know when! I, I don't know anything about the man, so I'm excited to see what he's got in him. Starring Julie Christie, well, mm-hmm. I'm going to assume uh, organs, organs. Are in him. Oh, well, I mean, certainly, but. Yeah. Uh, Starring Julie Christie, Dirk Bogard, Lawrence Harvey, and a bunch of other folks. Yeah. Not, not, I would just say, I wouldn't say not worth listing, but not worth listing in the sense that you won't know who they are, I don't
0: think. I mean, I barely knew who any, I mean, I knew who Julie Christie was because we'd seen Gervago, but everybody else, uh, I had no idea. Um, Now, Lawrence Harvey, there's an interesting story there, but I'm sure you'll delve into that when you. We get to that part of the
1: podcast. Is it about his proclivity, his orientation? No, it was more about his daughter. Oh, I. Oh, oh. yes, 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 yes. yes.
0: <laughs> we'll talk about that.
1: Yes. Um, I should note though. I want to note right off the bat. Um, interesting. I mean, not uncommon in this period of time in Hollywood. Both Dirk Bogard and Lawrence Harvey uh, were long, th- or have been long thought to be both in the closet uh, homosexuals, mm-hmm. which is uh, just you know kind of interesting in a movie. To in the 60s, about two men kind of not fighting each other over a woman, really. That's not really the plot. But they're both, they're both... Uh, yeah, sharing a woman. Share, share, yes, sharing is caring. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about Darling. It's number 83 on the BFI Top 100. Mm-hmm. This is the lowest ranked movie we've done so far. So far, yeah. By quite a margin. Yeah. Uh, but Jason, bare bones it for us. <laughs> what is Darling... All about
0: what is Darling all about? That's a question that has plagued humanity since the beginning of time, and I'm going to attempt to answer it right now. So since the beginning of time, which was before 1965. Uh, no, time actually began in 1965. <laughs> if you go back before that, it's all fake. It's all fake news. Fake news. So Hashtag n- maga. <laughs> so 1965's Darling, starring our friend Julie Christie, whom we remember from Doctor Zhivago. She was great in Doctor Zhivago. Same
1: year. Same year. This, this was, was like re- this was released. Uh... Five months before Dr. Zhivago. So this is
0: prime fucking Christie is what we are watching right here. This is right in the prime of her life. Yes, and prime Christie. Uh So, Julie Christie stars. There's other people in it. We mentioned that, uh, but really when it comes down to it,
1: Julie, this is Julie Christie's movie. She's in every scene. Yes. And when we say she's in every scene, motherfucker, she's in literally every scene. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, not every single scene, because there's that beginning scene where there's there's a little kid version of her, but the character certainly is in every single scene pretty much after that. We don't really see any other characters having conversations that are, are with other people. It's like specifically her. So it's her movie. There's a boardroom scene that she's not in. I found it. Oh, okay. Keep going. Right, that's right. Yeah, where well, they're all smoking, because they're men. Because um, <laughs> men. So, so the movie's set up with this minimal kind of flashback um, like structure, but we... She So, it, it, we have a narrator, which is Julie Christie's character, Diane, and she's like, oh, this is my life up until when I was 20, and I was a, a kid, and then this. So, we get that brief scene of the kid, and then we get into her at 20. Mm-hmm. Um, now, that narration occasionally comes back, but honestly, I don't remember it being even being there very much. Like,
1: um, well, I want to save it for when we get to, after we get through the plot, because there's some interesting things about that oh, no voiceover narration. Neat. So, we'll, uh, well, I mean, nothing behind the scenes, just in regards to how it's used. Okay. So... Um,
0: so, yeah, but, so, so basically, we hear her, we never see her, uh, there's no payoff, like, like, in My Left Foot, where we have, like, a, kind of a, a story going on outside of the main story of the movie,
1: um... But, interestingly... It is kind of still framed like that, yeah. Like it, it, again, Jason, Moore, we're hitting so many movies like this, yeah,
0: yeah. This I, I feel like this is going to be a common thread in these uh, these Audie uh, Toddie Oscar Beatty BFI films, yeah.
1: Oscar, of course, as we said, the brother of Warren, yes, yes, the the classic Oscar Beatty.
0: <laughs> so
1: so plays Dirk Tracy, yeah.
0: <laughs> so we see we see the scene of her as a kid, but then we find out. Um, She's a young lady, she's smoking hot, because she's Julie Christie in 1965, Um, and she's out on the street, and she gets pulled aside by a reporter, who's out doing a man on the street segment, and wants to ask her, as a young person that she is, about convention, which is a very British reporter thing to ask in the 1960s, what do you as a young person think
1: of convention and normalcy? And this is Dirk Bogard, by the way. This is Dirk Bogard, yes. Playing the role of Robert Robert, the reporter. Um, Playing the role of Robert Reporter. That's his last name. Robert Reporter, yes, absolutely. Um, so, of course, he sees
0: Diane, and he pulls her aside because she is a nubile young model, and he'd be an insane person not to talk to her. So he pulls her pulls her aside. They have a chat on camera. Uh, after the chat, they, they, they continue talking, and for reasons that don't make any sense, um, Robert takes her back to the to the studio to show her the final cut of the interview that will be then on the news um reporters don't do that even if they want to fuck their subject as badly as robert wants to fuck diane they don't do that you just don't do
1: that they they don't get any input into the story i I will i will say right now diana did i say diana i wrote diane all down in here so
0: if it's diana oh right because she because she gets called princess diana at some point i thought that that was kind of funny especially exactly yeah, I mean, the real Diana may not have even been born yet, but uh, uh, actually probably no, she was. probably was. Well, let's see, 1965, that means that if she got married in 1983, she would have been 18. This is our Diana cast. Diana cast. <laughs> Princess cast. So, yeah, so... Yeah, so he takes her to, takes her there, and then they start hanging out. And he takes her to meet this old writer that she's a fan of, and they have a nice chat with this old writer.
1: He's very bitter at the... He, well, not, I wouldn't say bitter. He's very... Um, this old writer is almost... Um... He's almost uh, not what you expect because you know he gets old, crusty writers. But he's very much yeah. like uh, I, I, I don't appreciate this uh, the way the old, old school is like boxing everyone in. And mm-hmm. I wanna, I wanna write about you know what excites me and stuff and like get out of this, this, this. You know, a he's progressive a, old man. He's almost yeah. He's almost like an old hippie. Yeah. Like
0: <laughs> he definitely has that vibe that he's he's really pushing against uh, his his class as it were his age class. But yes, but he's not that important to the movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, so after this they basically start fucking yeah and now she's married she's married and he's married married. she has a husband named tony who's young and kind of dumb and probably full of cum and uh uh, oh you're saying
1: they don't have sex a
0: lot well yeah exactly he's got blue balls okay and uh and then robert is is not only married but has two kids two kids two kids i think so yeah two kids um, but they they don't seem to mind, so they just start fucking, and they start fucking across town in the dirtiest hotels they can find. I mean, it's not intentional. It's not like they're looking for the dirtiest hotels. It's just, uh, I think, it, uh, in my mind, that's what I read into it that they're just fucking in dirty hotels.
1: Excuse me, concierge. Can we have your filthiest room with the foulest smells? <laughs> Absolutely, sir.
0: But uh, and at one point, they even pull the old uh, the old trick of calling home on the payphone and lying about what they're doing, and yes. then standing beside each other and having a real laugh. As their significant others uh, probably worry about them, because they're terrible people, uh, but but so they keep fucking, they keep fucking, they keep fucking, and eventually uh, they decide it's just not worth it anymore to, to keep this a charade hidden or to keep the charade up and just stay hidden. So they they, they turf their spouses uh, completely and and uh, kick the kids to the curb. He, has his wife sold into slavery? Okay, that's not what happened.
1: Okay, sorry. I'm, again, I'm reading into this a little too deeply. You watched the David Lean cut? Yes, I watched the I watched the David Lynch cut. Oh, sorry. Oh, it was a it was a Dave, it was a Lean Lynch collaboration.
0: His uh, what would that be? Oh my god! <laughs> it would be very epic and very strange. Is all I can think. Of. A three hour, just imagine a three hour version of like <laughs> Eraserhead. A three hour version of Eraserhead shot on 70 mm film <laughs> with 200 characters mm-hmm. and a cast of thousands of extras. <laughs> So, uh, so they they, yeah, they turf their significant others, and they begin their new sinful life on the seaside together. At least I think they do, because they, they look at that apartment. They, they go find this cottage thing, and she's like, oh, I'd love to live here. That's not her accent. I'd love to live here. And Robert's like, oh, I like this space too. But so they, they get together, they start living together, and they start kind of getting embroiled in the swinging 60s scene of London in the 60s, because it's the swinging 60s. If you've ever seen Austin Powers, it's pretty much that. Yeah, like, almost exactly that.
1: It's, it, it's where we quickly learn, though, that Robert may not be as uh, he's he's a he's a bit less of an outgoing, swinging '60s cat yeah. than she might have originally thought.
0: Now she he's clearly at least I would say at least a decade older than her, he's... minimum.
1: Uh, I, well, the actor I I did look it up because I was concerned yeah (laughs) the actor is 20 years older than julie Christie. yeah
0: okay so he's 20 years older and julie Christie's character i think is supposed to be 18 at the beginning of this movie
1: and she's only the act the actress she's only 23 at the time so i mean yeah
0: so yeah clearly they have a little different and robert's a reporter he's a writer he likes to spend his time at home but she loves going out to the parties and the dancing and the fun and the 60s with the doing the crazy dances and everything and having a great time with the music so, they, they do go to some parties together, and at one party, Julie gets rather jealous. Julie. <laughs> Di- Julie Christie's character, Diana, Diana, uh, Diana gets uh, a little bit jealous because she spots Robert talking, just talking, to his ex-wife at a party. But she kind of forgets about that idea soon because she starts having her own shit going on. You know, she's at these parties, and she's and it's an experience that I've never had because I'm not a lady, but I can't... I've I've always been so amazed at how women are able to, like, deal with, like, the creeps and the perverts in this world and the predatory men, and that's what she's dealing with. She's going to these parties and stuff, but it's like these guys all seem like they're always leering at her. Like, she's always got people staring at her. She's a good-looking lady. They all just want to fuck her and dump her in a ditch, I imagine. <laughs> They're they what we call shitheads, Brendan. Okay, I don't know about the ditch dumping, but
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll go with it.
0: So she's at an art party and she meets this uh, fellow named Miles, played by Lawrence Harvey. Yes, and Miles is kind of a uh, he's a bit he's a little too cool for
1: school. He's a slimeball, maybe ball. a rapist. Let's let's face it. He's a slimeball. He's a
0: slimeball, but he also he's also not one of those guys that really shows his emotions much. Like he always kind of has that half smile on his face,
1: and he's very he, calculating. And... He's almost um. He's like a sociopath, almost. Kind of, yeah, yeah,
0: almost, yeah. Where it's he, clear he has objectives in mind and whatever, but he, but he obviously is is mysterious and interesting enough that he kind of intrigues um, Diana. Yeah. Uh, and so, what does she do? Like any '60s woman, she fucks him. Yeah. Now, now let now let's keep score. She had a husband that she dumped so far. Uh, then she hooked up with Robert, mm-hmm. and now she's... while she's still with Robert in a relationship with Robert. She's on to Miles. So we're at three. And I have to ask. Not that it matters. You can fuck as many people as you want.
1: I have to. Now this gives her obviously a role in that, uh, in a trashy movie. Yeah, Jacqueline of which she is in the first scene and Uh, nothing else she is the title character in the first scene but she gets killed immediately yes Yeah. so I have to wonder though because after they go see the movie I know I should maybe be saving this for after we get through the plot but I just want to bring this up now after they go see the movie and she goes back to uh, her and Robert go back to the house Mm. I mean I I think he kind of notices that she makes eyes at Miles because Miles is there with another woman Mm. I'm assuming his wife because they don't really... It might just be I don't date. know what they
0: say, but I mean, Miles doesn't strike me as the kind of guy to settle down.
1: No, but I mean, again, there's a lot of people that are married in this movie that sleep around. That's true. But he's with another woman, basically. Yeah. It might even be that woman that's in that later party scene that he kisses. Mm. Um, but in this scene, uh, she kind of makes eyes at Miles. Robert notices. They get home. Do you feel like in this part... I think Robert kind of knows. I think she kind of admits that that's what she's doing. Like fucking him to get to the top, basically. Because she says, I only go to bed with you, to Robert. And he says, well, for now, anyway. And uh, he says, oh, don't. He's like, I know what you're doing. You don't have to hide it. So it's almost like, and she doesn't really deny that.
0: I mean, I, I wonder if it was a more understood thing in those days. A more, like, just like, oh yeah, well, if you want to get ahead in
1: acting, you obviously gotta fuck your way to the top. I but, mean, the, but then it clashes with later on, yeah. because he's so, he's like, not shocked, but like he's, he's obviously upset. Very angry. And bitter about it. But... Did he know? Like, if he knew, it doesn't make sense for later. But if he didn't, I guess it makes more sense. It's just a little confusing, I think. I wonder if it's
0: one of those things, too, you know, how, you know, sometimes in a relationship or or in a situation, you you think you're okay with something, and then as time goes on, you realize over time, you're less and less okay with it. I wonder if that's something where he just, he's like, okay, well, she's a young girl. She wants to get ahead in this business. She's got to do what she's got to do. But over time, he just, he starts to stew inside him, and he gets jealous, and he gets bitter, and he just, it just starts all raging around in there. Um and eventually it comes out later and
1: we'll get there. Yeah. But, uh, well, okay, so uh so yeah, she's she's fucking around with miles. She's, she's fucking around, she's Robert's
0: freaking... at home, he's lonely, he's depressed, he's getting more bitter as the day goes on. And given that their relationship kind of started from a place of cheating and, and lying, that it's not kinda of surprising that it would go this way. Um yeah. now Diane at some point attends a fundraiser. Diana. Did I say Diane again? Damn it. (laughs) Diana, like Wonder Woman, Diana. (laughs) I was like, Wonder Woman? I thought you were going to say Wonder woman Nah. (laughs) She goes to a fundraiser. Now, this is where we get the satire of the movie because we we see a lot of scenes of people just gorging themselves on food and gambling and and having the grand old time and smoking so many cigarettes and cigars. And this is a fundraiser to raise money for
1: hunger. World hunger, yes. (laughs) World hunger. By the way, with... Uh, African-American butlers wearing powdered wigs and being treated like garbage.
0: Now, also, gotta mention, this happened a little bit earlier, but uh, uh, we we expected a certain amount of, like, Casual racism in this movie, uh, just because it's an old movie, but there was only a little bit, and of course that one with the with the black. But I uh, but I think that's done
1: as a satirical point, though. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I think the movie is aware of that of how that's like you know racist. And the other thing, I
0: don't know that it would be considered racist at the time, but she says, uh, "What did she say? Oh, oh, Robert, there's (laughs) such gorgeous Negroes that have just walked in." Yeah, I mean that was the proper term in the '60s, but not anymore. Yes, Uh, so. So she goes to this party. She's having, she's there, and then she finds out she's pregnant. Not at the party, but she does find out she's pregnant, and she's kind of warm to the idea at first. She asks Robert about it, like, "Would you be okay with this?" And he's like, "I'm happy for you. Whatever. We'll 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 get through this." But she quickly changes her mind and goes and gets an abortion, which is a st- strong thing to show in a movie from 1965. I mean, it's, it's very delicately, it's very delicately though. done, but it's clear what's
1: happening. They only explain. They they never say the word. No. And she when she compares it to another woman, who I believe. Is uh, mile? My- I think, see, is that other woman that she's talking about, Miles' wife? I'm not, I can't because it must be because yeah. she's that woman is like not anywhere else in the film, like okay. in the film, but anyway, uh, she says. She had a miscarriage is yeah. how she calls it. Yeah. She never called, but she never says abortion. Yeah. And you, obviously there's not a guys, there's no full on scene of the procedure being done. It doesn't cut to a medical film. I appreciated that. I didn't need to see that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, I, I, want to, I, I want to see it. Uh, well, it, uh, uh, next, next week, abortion documentary, just abortion, just footage of abortions. It's on week. the BFI. It's on the
0: BFI. Number 90. S- 92. 92. 92. <laughs> So yeah, so so she has that abortion, and then she starts to have kind of a, I don't know, a crisis not not a crisis of conscience, but she's like clearly bored. She she wants more in life, so she just totally she's like, all right, I'm going to Paris.
1: Yeah. She so goes... she takes
0: off on Robert and hops on a plane with Miles, and they head to Paris, and there she finds some really weird sex parties. Yes. and Miles go to some weird sex parties where they do
1: some weird dancing, cross dressing, cross dressing, and 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 and. and Terrible impressions. Uh, <laughs> some weird game they're playing where the, Miles tries, to, or everybody makes her feel like shit, and she yeah. kind of she kind of lashes back at she Miles gets, She
0: gets she seems like a bit scared by it all, and that's understandable because it's a whole different world, even compared to Swing in London. Like this is a weird, uh, it's weird like a, situation to be in. W- w-
1: which I mean, I, I have some issues with the
0: stuff later, but we'll get into that. But she manages to gain the respect of the other perverts and has a good time wearing men's clothes and doing a mean but accurate impression of Miles. That's I, what love, I, had written that. I love how
1: you read that verbatim
0: i and knew that was like your exact line you were i reading. had to i wanted to read that line because i felt so proud when i wrote it <laughs> uh so yeah uh, so they they have their sex party fun uh she heads back to london and robert's had it this he's had it he said uh into the line i love this is the line that sticks out he says to her you're a whore, baby just a hole and i don't take holes in taxis and I, I i don't know what it is about that line it sounds very like like Philip Roth or like 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 film noir kind of line. Like I picture in my head Phil Hartman as Frank Sinatra saying that line, like, You're a whore, baby, and I don't take whores and taxis. It's perfect Frank Sinatra. Thank you. Well I'm Phil Hartman is Frank Sinatra now, brother. Uh,
1: oh, sorry. Um can I say though, God damn this movie at this point, because like that is the big that is one of the biggest hypocr- hypocrisies of this yeah. movie. He he left She may have cheated on her husband. She may have cheated on him. He left his wife and kids. Yeah, but he did it for free. He's not a whore, Brendan. He left (laughs) his wife and children to fuck a 20-year-old woman. Like, he is no better than she is. He's certainly
0: a slut. There's no question there. (laughs) And we we could argue about whether she's a whore or not. Because she's not out, like, selling her body for money... But she is getting some shit in return, you know, sometimes, like that role in the movie. I don't know that Miles gave it to her just because they fucked, but it seems like he would do but that. But we're not here to slut shame. No, no. We, we're, you, not... you, we're here to just support Julie Christie and everything she does because she's
1: wonderful. The character's a lot more complicated than simply being, uh, you know, a woman of ill repute or yeah. whatever.
0: No, I've, I, I see her as a character that you could look at it in a couple of different ways um i mean you look at it that way but you could also look at it in the way that she's a pretty like she's an independent woman she's doing her own thing you know she's making her own mistakes right um and we see that basically that's what this movie is it's, it's kind of a chronicle of her making her own mistakes and mm-hmm. learning uh, uh from well hopefully learning from them wow. i don't know that we find i don't know that we see anything learned from that in the course of the film but i'd like to think that afterwards in the uh, in my imaginary sequel novel that she's doing okay
1: and you imagine, wait, your, your sequel's going to be a novel.
0: Yeah, no, no, absolutely, yeah. We're doing it as a novel, because the screen can't contain it.
1: Wait, we're doing it as a novel? Yeah. I'm, I'm co-writing You're this You're in it. on, I drafted you into this. <laughs> Shit. Well, we got, we got, uh, It's going to be called Baby. <laughs> is it with, uh, Scholastic? Yes. Is, is it a pop-up Yeah, book? we're going
0: we're to sell it through the book fairs. <laughs> is, that, is it a pop-up book? <laughs> <laughs> Certain parts, certainly. Um, yeah, so, so Robert doesn't take whores and taxis. And he turfs her. He's like, I'm done to the curb she he kicks her to the curb and she has a rough go of it for a bit but she goes back to miles what does miles do he gets her another fucking job and this time she's the face of a chocolate brand which i forget the name of the chocolate brand do you remember fairy tale fairy tale chocolates yeah this leads to them going to italy because obviously fairy tale chocolates has a huge ad budget and they decided to film their commercial in actual italy at an actual castle well i think because they're they're
1: backed by a prince are they not well he, he Is he I think he... he's a major part I don't know I feel like So this guy shows up He's supposedly like This prince in mm-hmm. Italy And I think He's got something to do With the company because He's a major investor Yeah he literally Shows up on the set And, and like one well, of my is favorite, his house too One of my favorite scenes though Is they've got it all set up And they've been filming all day Yeah And he shows up And he's like Could we do it from this angle Everything's like <laughs> In place And then the director's like Uh well you know We can't because of the light And he's like Oh, okay, okay. And I, I was really expecting him to be like, uh, like an a, like a, like stereotypical asshole to be like, well, um, or you could keep your job, yeah, like you know what I mean, like. But he, but he, he's sick, he's okay. Thankfully,
0: sure. he understands that he needs to leave the filmmaking process to the filmmakers.
1: You don't see a scene later where the director is being beheaded. <laughs> which would oh, be great. that would be great. That would really, really put some spark in this
0: movie. <laughs> I mean, I, there, there's spark in this movie, absolutely. I like it. And spunk. So, so while she, yeah, and spunk, lots of spunk. Trust me.
1: On on screen, full view. There's, I'll tell you, there's spunk on my screen. I'll tell you that much. Oh, Ho-ho!
0: that's just that's just that's just poor management. Like, <laughs> just... I can't control myself, Brendan. So while she's on set, she she makes acquaintance with a photographer who is quite clearly campily gay. I mean, not not as campy as say Mr. Humphrey's from Are You Being Served, but it's clear he's gay just from the way he speaks. And then when he fucks that uh, that waiter, I mean, that really seals the deal. Um, but they they become best buds they shoplift together they shoplift together they kill fish they kill fish they become eskimo brothers and i'm sorry for using that term but i could not find another term to say what i mean Eskimo brothers. Does she, she fuck the waiter too? Yeah, yeah. Because you remember the the waiter pulls up and, uh, on the uh, moped and uh, Malcolm is that his name? Yeah. Malcolm jumps on and takes off, and we assumed they're fucking. Yeah. Well, like five, ten minutes later, at some point, she's sitting at the same cafe. He pulls up on the moped, the same waiter, and she jumps on the back of the moped and takes off with him.
1: See, I I thought literally, I just thought he was taking her somewhere because I assumed that waiter was gay. So I didn't I didn't. Oh think no, that that, were... that
0: waiter clearly likes it always. Okay. All the all the ways all the possible ways this waiter he's what you call a pansexual ah a Peter Pansexual yes absolutely um so they, they have so much fun while they're there uh they're eating food they're you enjoying mean, the men wait do you mean bisexual well no no because uh, bisexual and pansexual are different Brendan so okay okay, okay, okay let's all do right. this so sidebar Sidebar. So the difference between a bisexual and pansexual. Bisexual is a person who is attracted to uh, uh, the two different genders or the two different sexes. I guess you would say yeah. uh, female and male. They like both those. Um, a pansexual is a person that just will have sex with anyone if if they and that could be male, that could be female, that could be transgendered, that could be um, uh, you know any sort of variant. Uh, so you know that's bisexual doesn't mean you want to have sex with everybody. It means you like both men and women specifically.
1: Okay, so the, so so bisexual is men and women, or I guess and, I guess you would
0: say cis cis men and women. Maybe? Okay,
1: fine. So, so bisexual is cis men and women, yeah. and pansexual is someone who doesn't want to grow old and is best friends with a girl named. Absolutely,
0: Wendy. Brendan. Congratulations, you get an A. Okay. All right. So after that, after that slight sidebar, let's get back into it. So an enjoy. In addition to the food and the men. She starts to flirt with Catholicism, of all things. She yeah, goes to a church, cool. yeah. uh, hangs out there for a bit. But she basically does all the things in Italy that you would expect of an English tourist. So at one point, the prince, who we met earlier uh, on the set of the film, shows up in his yacht where she's hanging out and, and visits her and says that uh, his son had, was actually quite taken with her um and she's like well i don't know if i'm really interested uh, he's nice and everything she he goes like oh no I, i'm the interested one he goes and then he asked her to marry him yep just out of nowhere i mean you know to be fair he's an italian prince with a lot of money i guess if i was an italian prince with a lot of money i'd probably be making proposals left and right and especially you know italians they like having their own side pieces as well so <laughs> god i'm gonna get in so much trouble i love you italy i love your food um <laughs> that's it though that's it though <laughs> fuck everything else <laughs> So, but so she thinks about it. She mulls uh, becoming the hot wife and mother of seven for this guy, but she decides against it. And he's and he, being a prince with lots of money, is just like you know what? The offer's open. You want it? You let me know. So she goes back to London. She's all over the place, but it's always back to London. Uh, so she gets there and, and she, uh, uh, where we go, she checks out church again uh she finally uh, she finally blows up
1: at miles finally blows up at miles she's like get out of my house i don't like you you're disgusting you're, you're you don't feel anything she, yeah he, well she doesn't like that he's a sociopath yeah and she basically. kind of she kind of alludes to because he says something about like her killing herself mm. and he she kind of alludes to thinking like oh did someone do that to you before yeah. it's some girl and he and the way he reacts i feel like she might be onto to something yeah but he also doesn't let her in either it's no. a very like it's a very strong performance from lawrence harvey like mm-hmm. he's he's very like he's it's hard to do because he has to be stern and like no expression almost almost all the time yeah. but at the same time he kind of opens a little bit here he lets just enough through that, you, us, that the you audience, think something is up
0: that we know there's something going on and that we can see it yeah that is a tough that's a tough thing to ask an actor to do it's like yeah. okay so you're gonna play a guy who's basically a sociopath and doesn't let
1: anybody in go right don't don't be wooden. Yeah, Go. don't be wooden. Exactly.
0: So uh, she flirts with the church again, uh, and that I think helps propel her that she decides like fuck it, I'm going back to Italy and I'm going to marry this guy.
1: Yeah, she has a cl- she has another encounter with Robert too, mm-hmm. uh, and, and he's
0: older and he's
1: bitter and yeah, he goes well he goes to meet with her, but then you know. Um miles is there so he quickly leaves anyway yeah yeah, so they had their fight she goes to italy go back she's like yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go marry him she goes and marries the prince they have a lovely wedding yeah the kids are lovely the home is lovely principessa principette um she's famous she's famous that's the thing she wanted was fame exactly she got it uh however but she is now
0: locked in a gilded cage That, uh, because she didn't, I don't think she knew what she was getting herself into totally. No. So she's there. Kind of like
1: this whole movie.
0: Yeah, exactly. The whole movie is really just Diana falling into situations that she has no idea how it's supposed to go. Yeah.
1: And just kind of bumbling through. It's like Forrest Gump, but with a lady. (laughs) But she's also, not to sound like anything. I love the scene where she shakes hands with President Kennedy. (laughs) She's, she's not, she's not playing a mentally challenged person, but, but she's, uh, yeah, she's kind of thrown into the mix. She's a deer in headlights. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, getting some life experience um, but yeah so this is basically towards this is basically the end of the Yeah, here we're
0: very close to the end of the movie so she realizes the gilded cage she's in when he when the prince leaves and she I have to assume uh, is assuming that he's going to fuck some side piece oh yeah Rome. 100% he's yeah. not going to go see his mother
1: as, 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 as he tries to tell her
0: oh, he tells her that the mother doesn't have a phone and she's like what? and he's like yeah he had it disconnected she kind of has a moment of crisis and she bails and, and goes back to London again to find Robert. And she finds him. And Robert lets her in. And they have some canoodling. And they have a good lovemaking session. And she's lying there after that lovemaking session. She's got a smile on her face. She's contemplating about how their new life is going to be like. That they're going to get back together. And they're going to be great.
1: And But remember, Robert doesn't take whores in taxis. Robert
0: doesn't take whores in taxis. And this whore is not getting in the taxi. Because he reveals to her that he doesn't give a shit. They're not getting back together. He just did that because he wanted to lay. And to kind of fuck her over a bit. Basically yeah. to get revenge on her. He's it's, not a good guy. It's harsh.
1: He's it's very really harsh. It's really harsh.
0: It's very harsh. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to book you a flight uh, flight back to Italy, so go get on
1: the fucking plane, whore. He doesn't say that, Basically. but that's what he's thinking. But he also, like, he has... A, this another, it's another strong performance, yeah. though. Oh, yeah, he's great. Bogart, because he has this thing where he's very cruel to her, and you're like, oh, man, this is too much. Like, you're also not a good person for mm. doing this, and why does she have to suffer this life while you are apparently going to like a university and doing what you love. Like that doesn't seem like a very fair outcome, yeah. but also like he, uh, as soon as she gets out of the tax, uh, not a taxi out of his car and goes back to the, back to Italy, you see him in the car realize like kind of have a realization of like, Oh my God, I don't like myself. Mm. Like, he even says that he's like, I hate what I'm saying right now, yeah. but this is what I'm doing. I have to do this. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, I'm not giving him uh, no clearance, and, and but and I'm just saying, I, I, a-
0: in this whole movie you have to you have to look at it from the perspective it's like you got into a relationship with a woman you both were cheating on your spouses and you both turfed your spouses to get into this relationship did you think that this was going to turn out different? like if somebody cheats to get into a relationship you shouldn't be surprised when they cheat in that new relationship
1: it's a real Zhivago situation yeah exactly, it's a real Zhivago situation <laughs> well I mean she never cheated on Zhivago but you get what I'm saying I get what you're saying
0: so yeah, so he takes her to the airport drops her off tells her to go the fuck back to italy and she walks to the airport while paparazzi mill around her call her as she gets on the plane and goes back to italy and that's kind of where our movie ends
1: yeah then we get opera
0: oh from
1: a woman in the street right yes the woman in the street playing the opera which i want to talk to you once we get to that but let's go let's let's get into this uh into this movie jason all right 1965's darling it starts basically with a penis Because remember, in the first shot, um, right off the bat, I like how this movie establishes the satirical tone of the movie because there's a giant uh, ripped apart billboard for world hunger. Uh And what are they putting over it? An interview with uh, Diana Hmm. for this magazine, Principessa Diana, Mm -hmm. because this movie takes place... after everything's happened it starts you know at the end it's a flashback yeah but this world hunger poster yeah. is having a giant poster of her face being put over it <laughs> while the uh, the opening theme is playing yeah. and literally the first shot is of this tall phallic building and I'm like aha here we go cheeky yes sir and, and like that's one thing I want to say about this movie is it's very cheeky there's moments of it that are very um, yeah there's moments of it that are very like the humor is very uh, oh wink wink nudge nudge cheek yeah. cheek you know um I found I had a hard time with uh, Diane and Robert for a while being very unlikable. Yeah, at the beginning, especially because, like you, uh, what ha- this this affair is really strange to me because at the beginning, because it just kind of happens. Yeah, and you're not given a lot of reason. Like it, it...
0: this movie it jumps a lot. Like like you you see, it really is a series of scenes of a person's life. Like this isn't. It's like we're jumping between things that are happening pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um. And yeah, that's, so, so we, we see them there and then they're at the, the cut and then they're
1: at the interview and then they're living together. (laughs) Like, (laughs) well, like we also get, um, we also get early signs that this is not going to go well. Like even when they walk out of the building after she's been in the recording studio, uh, watching the interview, uh, he goes up to a car and she says, uh, I I don't know if it's like, she thinks that's like a a crappier car or Hmm. something. And she's like, Oh, is this your car? She kind of gives like a look like uh, like a sound like that. And he says, yes. No, it's this one, and she's like, "Oh, good." Like it's almost like she like it shows right there. Do you know what I mean? Like well, it, I'm not I'm, saying I'm not. I saying, wonder if that's
0: that British. If that's the British class
1: system coming through. Of like, oh, you wouldn't drive a poor person's car, would you? Oh no, I wouldn't. Of course not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I wonder. Like I'm not saying she's a, she's like an awful person. I, that's the thing. Everybody in this movie is very complicated. I don't think anyone's yeah. like truly awful, except for maybe Miles. Yeah, I'm Miles just... is kind of a piece of shit. Oh, and um, that that
0: guy that wants to have sex with the
1: the boys. Well, yeah, there are. It just my... seems like kind of shitty. <laughs> there are other characters that are kind of <laughs> shitty. Out of the major ones, though, um, there's a there's a. Sorry, Go ahead. I, I was just gonna say, I think this movie can be boiled down to Diana's ultimate fear. Like Diana, Julie Christie is boredom. Yeah, she is afraid of just having nothing. She cannot sit still. Um, figuratively and literally. Yeah. Like, there's even a scene where Robert is just typing, like mm-hmm. writing, and there's all this is like this montage almost of her just like walking around the house, putting her legs up in the air, you know, dancing around, asking if he wants coffee, saying, "Oh, sorry, I spoke. Sorry." Perhaps like, she's a
0: little ADD. Yeah. Which in
1: 1965 would that have been as as known at the time? Uh,
0: probably not. But. uh... And also, there's a quote that uh, kind of helps... Like, like in addition to... She's also searching for happiness, like we all are. Yeah. But, happiness but, and
1: excitement. Yeah.
0: And, and the line comes up. She says, you know, Should be the easiest thing in the world to be happy. I
1: wonder why it isn't. Maybe it is. Yeah. You know, she doesn't That's know. That's basically she... the movie. Yeah, <laughs> And um, it's funny because, like, having her ultimate fear being, like, not being happy, being bored, whatever... Yeah that ultimately leads her down a path that co- she comes all the way back around yeah. and now she's got her that's like ultimate level of unhappiness and boredom so much so that in the climax despite having
0: everything she wanted
1: yeah yeah but she Fame, because, money because she doesn't realize that you know um, even in the climactic scene I mean I'm jumping all over the place but yeah. whatever in the climactic scene she rips every single piece of clothing off mm-hmm. in the uh in the palace and just collapses in bed yeah. like she's just that's it. Yeah, she's 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 taken everything away uh, from her. Uh, okay, so the voiceover. I want to talk about the voiceover yeah. for a second because right. she's doing this interview for a magazine throughout the film. At the beginning of the film, is
0: is this is this is the pictures that were being put up on the wall? Are those ads for the candy, or are these for the magazine? Interview? It's the magazine because okay.
1: you can see on the poster it says Diana tells all. Okay, so it's her doing her interview after she's already become the princess because I noticed. If you just listen to her voiceover Mm. and you don't watch anything on the screen, it's a very positive, upbeat telling because she says things like... She 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 says things about you know she says her affair yeah. but she says things like oh i didn't i didn't want robert to be away from his children or oh i'm not the jealous type she says stuff like i'm not the jealous type and then literally you see her go where the hell have you been yeah. to robert as he go <laughs> as he went to visit his family so much so that there's other scenes where she says things that are not immediately contradicted that they don't really show that i'm like well that's probably not true hmm. because she says stuff like um i i um uh, Not suggested, but I, you know, heavily pushed him to go see his kids. I would never want to take him away from his children. And then you see him with his kids or whatever. I feel like that's not the case. I feel like he's the one who says, I'm going to go see my children. They're my children. You can't stop me. She's clearly telling this interview through
0: either rose colored glasses of the past or she is trying to make an impression that her life was
1: way happier than it was. Yeah, basically, it's an unreliable narrator. Or,
0: or yeah, I mean, definitely an unreliable narrator. Or like she's just, or she legitimately has kind of changed her perspective over the years, so she doesn't go crazy. Like yeah, the, she, she looks at it in a positive way rather than the negative way.
1: I do want to say that uh, she apparently goes to the Ray Fine School of uh, se- of Seduction <laughs> because there's a moment. This is a mo This is like I know this sounds crazy, but the whole thing about boredom, about her being bored, this is a moment where like they're literally they're sitting in the train, her and Robert. Robert goes to fall asleep, but she's wide awake. She can't just be sitting there mm. while he's sleeping. She goes over to him, puts puts her finger in his mouth, like the <laughs> yeah. refined school suction, <laughs> and they just start making out. And I'm assuming they have sex. Yeah, um, on the train, on the train. Which it's like she can't even let like a slight moment go by without something happening. She's like millennials, <laughs>
0: just just all yap yap and video
1: games and and riding their bikes all that rap and rap and roll music the bippin and the boppin and the hippin and the hopping um i find her all i find also she's like incredibly emotionally immature oh yeah absolutely uh she says stuff like uh you know i i didn't i didn't want him to uh, i didn't want to break up. but again this also might be a lie because she says stuff like i didn't want to break up his family i felt felt terrible about it but then there's a scene while she's saying that where she is literally watching him with his family with binoculars. Yeah. And she does not look like she's like... No, she's not happy about it. She she's does not look happy mean. at all. She's, that's, that's 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 a look of jealousy. That's almost like... That's surely before they get yeah. together and decide to actually be together. So I think it's kind of like a look of jealousy crossed with like, I want that to be me. Well, I mean, her, if, if they hadn't him. got
0: together, she would have just straight up been stalking him. But because yeah. they eventually got together,
1: you don't think of it as stalking, but she was stalking him. She also has uh, I mean I, we're going to talk about her a lot because she's the main crux of this movie but she, I I feel like she also has like a uh, almost like a childlike quality. Like you remember that yes. you talked about two of the most gorgeous, you know, African Americans. Yeah. Um and she doesn't use that word, but when they come over oh, By out, the
0: way, uh, you can't
1: assume they're Americans. They could be they they're probably British. Uh, okay, so British black people. You black... can say black people. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so two black people come over and she says, "Oh, the most gorgeous." They're having a diplomatic. They're having a diplomatic reception, which is a party, yeah, basically. And she says, "Oh, I want to have a diplomatic reception." Cut to. I hate diplomatic receptions. <laughs> Get these people out of here. Yeah. I want to end this. I want to be alone. And it's very like it's a it's like a kid. Yeah. It's like I want this. I want this. I want this. I don't want this anymore. It's terrible.
0: Yeah. No. She's. she's it seems like she's a person with very little life experience, but also a person who has uh, been used to getting her way uh, growing up. So
1: actually, and you know, I don't. I will say I don't have a lot of clips for this movie, but um, just watch the fucking movie. Come on, it's great. Well, I do want to play something here. Uh, this is a uh, this is a clip, and so we talked about how she's her voiceover kind of conflicts with her actual things. This is her uh, being jealous of Robert, kind of visiting his family. Well, after they uh, they started their relationship, I couldn't have been happy if I'd kept Robert from his children. I was absolutely insistent, rain or shine, he went and saw them.
0: I couldn't have forgiven myself if he hadn't done that. You see, I've never really been the jealous type. Where the hell have you been? I told you i to go and see the children. Until this hour. Did you see her? Her? Her. No. I don't know whether I believe you. What makes you think she wants to see me? Perhaps you want to see her. Perhaps I do. Well, why don't you tell me if you want to see her, if you're still in love with her? Now listen, listen. I love you. Honestly. You won't leave
1: me, will you? Leave you? I can't leave you, Phil. If only you knew. I'm so. I'm so frightened sometimes. What do you mean you're so frightened sometimes?
0: Why? What are you frightened of? I'm so happy.
1: What I think of interesting about that is she says, I'm frightened of being so happy. Yeah. Like she's just all over the map. Um, and I, okay, I'm good. I might as well just play this other one now. Cause I only, I only have two clips from the movie. So as you said, Robert is doing a lot of like man on the street interviews. I question if this was real people he just went up to and started talking. So there's a little montage of him talking to people about the troubles in London. Yeah. Keep in mind, Dirk Bogard, uh, M- many thought he was in the closet homosexual and this uh this happens good evening an american statesman recently said that britain was a
0: country which had lost pride in itself have we so much to be ashamed of i wonder
1: let's find out what are you ashamed of in britain today oh I can't think of can't think nothing nothing well, the traffic and that, you know, it's a bit congested. That, all the that's time. the worst thing, as yeah. far as i want to Well, some people don't work hard enough. Well, I work hard in Bristol through one person. I do it for one person. Her name's Margaret Roberts. i got the photograph on me. Mm-hmm. Well, everyone these days wants something for nothing. They don't want to put anything out for what they're striving to get out of this. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, talking as a Londoner, I think, in London itself, the amount of, um, or how, how rife homosexuality has become in London itself. I would say, again, in retrospect, that a few years back, that, um, uh, again, two or three years ago, that you, you were uh, very blatantly sort of approached by different people in different places. Really? Mm-hmm.
1: mm-hmm.
0: And it, it does, it does sort of still, it's still, it, you said it's worse. I right? think, in actual fact, it has become worse over a period of time, but it's one of those things that you have to live with nowadays. Yes, it
1: so. Imagine, like, being in his shoes doing that. Like yeah. I, if those feel like real, I, I look, I they, looked... they do feel real, but you know, they also, they also remind me of my, Mon-
0: of Monty Python sketch. Like they just, because they, they, they do the similar man on the street thing in Monty Python's flying circus. And I feel like that's the sort of thing that they were spoofing. But yeah, no, it did feel
1: real. Absolutely.
0: Whether it was or not, I don't know, but those people gave answers that sounded real.
1: Yeah. And I like, I tried to look up, to see if I could, but like, I gotta tell you guys, there's not a whole lot about darling. No. Well, I mean, it was a long time ago. Did you like all the double entendres in this movie?
0: it was a british film so i expected no less than a handful of double double entendre
1: well i mean let's talk about diana and miles their relationship mm-hmm. or, or quote-unquote relationship because there's a scene in the uh i really w- i wanted to pull this clip but i couldn't find it but there's a scene in the, where they're uh they're kind of flirting i guess in a way and uh she's looking through all his important paperwork and mm-hmm. she said oh i want to see a piece of important paperwork and he's like, "Oh, it's mostly just about people, you know, things we're interested in as a company." And she mm-hmm. says, "Oh, don't people know? Don't people know when you're interested in them?" He's like, "Sometimes, but they don't know how interested." <laughs> and she says, "I suppose not. That's not so easy to tell. I suppose." And then they play coy, but then she bluntly says, "Open up." <laughs> like she, <laughs> like it, it goes, it goes from. Oh, they're playing coy. And then she literally says, can you just open up and like talk to me as a person? Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. Where was the oral sex? Because I wanted to
0: mention that. There's a scene where there's clearly oral sex going on, uh, which I thought was pretty, pretty risque for a movie from 1965. Was that Robert or was that Miles? That's Miles. Miles, yeah.
1: She She goes down on him. Or does he go down on he her? Go to, he goes down on her. How scandalous. <laughs> Which is even more surprising. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's not, it's it's 100% what happens because they, they show him going down and her fa- like yeah. facial reaction. He goes down below frame and she's like, ah. Oh. And then immediate cut. Yeah, immediate cut. To the parking meter that says... Um, Expired? No.
0: <laughs> she, died. she died.
1: She <laughs> died. No, it says uh, penalty like the, there's a little joke there with the parking meter yeah. back and forth uh cut cut across with uh, with with what it says there um that well we, we should talk about that then the the style of the film the, some of the shots some of the, the editing style yeah it's the, it's the interesting. mirror the mirror montage yeah that they good. that uh Diana and Robert are when they start their relationship uh we don't see a typical montage mm. we see Written messages to each other on the mirror and yep. lipstick, yep. and we see like little photos and stuff, like just cut, cutting, cutting uh, passage of time or whatever. Mm. Um, I I don't think I've seen too many movies that do that, and if I have, they're definitely after this movie.
0: Yeah. Uh, I feel like this movie too uses a lot of like handheld stuff. Yep. that you don't you don't really think of from that era, but it does a real good job at, at making it seem just more real more gritty in a lot of these scenes especially at parties and stuff or there's a scene specific where she's wandering down a hallway at some point and
1: it's handheld well i will say that um john schlesinger comes from documentaries ah. so i think that's a lot of what that was Makes and sense. I, I think a lot of like the man on the street stuff like you said the handheld uh the stuff that feels very like not like a film yeah i think that comes from his experience in doing that
0: with a lot of these old british films sometimes it can feel like you're watching a film version of a stage production uh, but th- this isn't that, this no. is, this feels more like what we expect a modern movie to feel like in that
1: way. Yeah, like, no, this isn't like, this isn't, um, it's like Battlestar Galactica, the reboot. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's just like that. <laughs> this isn't like uh, goodbye, Mr. Chips. Like no. this isn't, the, which we'll cover eventually. <clears throat>
0: goodbye, Mr. Chips.
1: <laughs> but it's no, it's not like, and it's not like Henry V or no. like, you know, those kinds of movies. It's very, yeah, it's very modern it, and it, and it plays right into the, um, I mean, I think this this is definitely after the French New Wave has already mm-hmm. started. So you had people like Jean-Luc Godard, and I think this is very influenced by that, because uh, you see a lot of experimental mm. stuff, uh, a lot of smoking, a lot of smoking. Yeah, well, that's a French influence. We're gonna see a lot of smoking in all these movies. <laughs> <laughs> True enough. I'm just gonna say, and
0: it makes it. And now I am a smoker, and I'm I'm ashamed of that fact. But the fact is, is that when you watch a movie as a smoker with a lot of cigarettes, and you don't smoke in your house, it makes it real hard to get through the movie in one long chunk.
1: Especially when people look so cool doing yeah it.
0: I smoked at least four cigarettes in the course of this movie and I had to stop the movie and go outside every time.
1: <laughs> um, a big thing about this movie too is uh, like, there's, I mean, sexual politics. Yeah. What Especially
0: I think in is... the 60s. You know, the 60s is the era where women are really starting to come into their own. You're having the sexual revolution. Yep. Uh, birth control is coming to be a thing. Um... What, what about the
1: scene where, okay, so she's already, I think this is all, no, this is when she's tr- trying to be in that trashy movie, Jacqueline um of which hilariously again she only has a cameo <laughs> when she learns that she's the title role but the title role involves getting killed before the opening credits and then,
0: and then the rest of the movie's just figuring out who did me in
1: <laughs> which again another double entendre because yeah. <laughs> uh, she, she doesn't say did me in she says did me who did me and who why, me and why. <laughs> I, I was like wow that's 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 definitely intentional but yeah so the scene but the scene where they're kind of determining if she's going to be in the movie and they're like oh can you look this way can you look back and over here it's so funny because they're looking to see how, I guess they're looking to find her like her beauty or whatever. Mm. And it's all these old men and they're, they're being disgusting the whole time. Like yeah. one of is putting like a toothpick in his ear. Yeah. One of them is like picking his nose and like, <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's so overt that it's so obvious that yeah. that's what the director's trying to do. Um, but yeah, it's just this contrast of like, and it, and I think this movie is fully aware that this is not a normal practice. Like, what, who, are all these like gross old men to be like yeah. judging this woman, like how good she looks. <laughs> By the way, Julie Christie in this movie is fucking beautiful, smoking, gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous woman. She's Good, she's good looking. And um, yeah. So anyway, that's just one thing I know noticed about uh, about this. So okay, you mentioned also the abortion scene. Yeah. Uh, we also get a little bit, um, when she, I think we kind of glazed over it a little bit, but but before she goes, between her breakup, sorry, between the abortion mm. and her going back to, to Miles in Paris, yeah. there's a little bit where she goes back to to her sister's house to live, to live with them for a little bit. Oh yeah, that's right. And there's that little boy, William, who's just like, I haven't had my bedtime chocolate yet. <laughs> I want my chocolate. And it's interesting that they make her... It's like this thing where uh, they're like, oh, Diana is so good with children. And it's like right after that, uh, you know, yeah. that harrowing abortion scene. Um, yeah, I just thought that was like crazy because I'm like, well, it's also that I think it's also that that she's like, it's right after that. It's it's right after that scene very yeah. intentionally. There's it no did. way they did that just as a no, coincidence. They
0: clearly want to drive the point home of... of- like that she had this done now that she's you know it's, it's like so many things in the movie it's like she does something and then something makes her regret it afterwards
1: and also the other thing is like we, I mean I think I mentioned earlier she's very childlike Yeah, that's another thing that supports that like she's great with children because she basically like basically has a lot one, of yeah. yeah has a lot of like common uh, characteristics yeah
0: she also loves chocolate I
1: imagine <laughs> I mean hell she sells the stuff well yeah that's true <laughs> oh we got to talk about the sex party.
0: The sex party.
1: That well, weird-ass sex party.
0: Okay, so this now, is... Now, Brendan, listen to me. I've been to a ton of sex parties in my day okay. ever since I was in high school. All right, no. And <laughs> you got to understand that we would only rarely swap clothes.
1: So what is it? So they're playing this... This is this is Miles' world. Yeah. Which I have a little bit of issue with. Because yeah. you're taking Miles, who's obviously... A, I mean, he's obviously the villain, I would say. Like, he's pretty close to being a full-on villain. Yeah. And he is in this world where people are like cross-dressing. There's actually an actress who plays a a transsexual, I believe, because he calls this woman Billy and says, Oh, if I didn't know you were a man, Billy, I would be offended by your words or something like that. And... I mean, clearly played by a woman. Like, um, I'm thinking, wow, that's a that's a good job, Billy. Good job. <laughs> but they're having this game where they're going around swapping clothes and then pretending to be someone else in the room while everybody else asks some questions.
0: I love the fella who did the impression of her. He was.
1: Uh... Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like... Even he with his British teeth. Yeah, so this, this, this black... this though he's not British. Th- the only black man at the party. Yeah. And they say, oh, you look different, uh, Diana. And he's like, oh, I had a spray tan. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, good lord. Or I had, more, I had too much sunray. That's yeah. what he says. But my my thing is, like, you're kind of make You're kind of... They're kind of demonizing this, mm. in a way, by making them this, like, section of Miles' life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's kind of like... It's weird because the movie kind of embraces the swinging '60s or the the switch over, mm. but then at the same time it's kind of criticizing it. Well, it's almost like those those old attitudes still come through. Uh, the, the, yeah, that this
0: sex scene kind of comes across, or this sex party scene comes across as something like bad. Yeah, and then it's
1: then it's like something dark. It's it's part of this
0: dark path that she's going to go down.
1: I mean, it should be no surprise to anyone. This stuff is pretty dated. Yeah, like the the, the cross dressing stuff is pretty. D- I mean, there's not. It's not like they're going around using, like, you know, the F word or anything, but like, it's, it's not
0: outright, you know, insulting to, maybe to cross-dressers and transsexuals, at least so far as I can see. I'm neither of those things, so I can't say for sure, but it certainly feels like it, yeah, it's definitely like, this is not the
1: right path to go down. I know you wanted to talk about Malcolm. Yeah. The the gay character, because you, you, you said, uh, before we even started recording, you were saying, uh, you were really surprised. I was
0: surprised that they had a gay character in a movie that was... A, obviously gay, and B, wasn't immediately a villain. <laughs> it wasn't just, like, like Peter Lorre in, in some, you know, film noir from the 30s, like...
1: Not a villain, and also not just, like, depressed about being a homosexual. Yeah,
0: yeah, he was living life as fully as she was, I guess, in that way, in that they were eating, drinking, fucking, and having a good time in Italy.
1: Oh, okay, I was going to not each other. No, 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 <laughs> certainly not. They're Eskimo brothers. <laughs> they even, uh, so they even shoplift, which is, like... Is like she, ta- she needs excitement all yeah. the time. Even that, sea- like she doesn't have to shoplift. She can no. easily afford everything that's in that store. Yeah, um, but she just decides to. I do like those old women that are watching, and one of them is like, oh, "Do you see what's happening?" <laughs> 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 Which I thought was gonna. I actually thought was gonna lead to them getting arrested. I, I have expected another woman
0: to immediately repeat what she just said because the other day I was watching Turner Classic Movies and I watched like the first half hour of Monpa Pa Kettle and there's two characters in that movie that an old lady and her friend old lady and one old lady will say one thing and the other old lady will basically repeat the same thing. You should check out Monpa Pa Kettle on
1: TCM now. This, this podcast is brought to you by Turner Classic Movies. It should be. They could <laughs> give us the movies. There you go. So, we get to the conclusion of the movie. Uh... I ha- I wrote down that Diana is essentially a trophy wife. Yeah, she, um, she's 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 Melania Trump. Yeah. <laughs> basically, basically at the end basically, of the movie. Yeah. Um, I think the upsetting thing about this part is like she was so led in by the prince who is incredibly polite and friendly and kind mm-hmm. and she and she assumes like oh this is the first man that has really been this way I mean, even Robert was pretty yeah. sarcastic when they first did Miles is a fucking asshole yeah. and this is the first man that's come up to me and, and the, that's that likes women <laughs> that, that comes, that's come up to me and been like a gentleman and so he must have good intentions like that has to be her yeah. thinking
0: and he's he treats her how I imagine she expects to be treated or she thinks she should be treated as a woman like with respect but also with kind of you know, fatherly—not uh, deference isn't the word, but like kind of a fatherly approach of you know. You know what I mean, Brendan? Do you get my feeling? I know because what you mean. I'm trying to project this feeling across the audio medium, but it's hard.
1: You get little hints. I think you get little hints, though, that this is this is not just going to be like. That this is not going to be good for her. This well, marriage. I
0: think the fact that he proposes marriage to her without barely having known her—I <laughs> mean,
1: yes—might <laughs> be a good portent. I mean, yes, but you get also little things too, like well, I, sorry, I should say when they first get married, there's a newsreel, yeah, and it's like, oh, the new Italian princess, blah, blah blah blah. She's she's doing this and she's hunting and she's you know, and they say the people have been waiting for a new princess for a long time, which is like, ah. So he did this to satisfy the people, not necessarily something he wanted to do. Yeah,
0: he, he has the proper a proper young wife that is is very pretty and it will will look good in photographs with him and uh, make the people very happy to follow their lives like we follow the lives of the celebrities. He's kind of like her
1: in a way. Yeah, right. Because as soon as like he goes off and he has a mistress, yeah. like when she had Robert, she went off and she had Miles. Uh, she's chasing things
0: And then she gets something And then she abandons it
1: Yeah And the That's same thing cute. So at this point I mean she's relegated To the castle Like we said She's she's by herself She's uh, One of my I think one of the best scenes In the movie Is she's sitting at this Huge table and you see people coming in every once in a while to ask to ask stuff from her, to ask mm-hmm. favors. And she says, Oh, we'll do that tomorrow, you know, I'll call, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we have all these like butlers just standing around, not like looking stern, not mm-hmm. not doing anything. We have this great scene where she asks her uh, the prince's mother's phone number, which again, like you said, we find out it's disconnected. And Ridiculous. It's been disconnected. Well,
0: why has it been disconnected?
1: Yeah, and then we get the looks and then they kinda get looks on the on the butlers' faces like they know something, but it's yeah. very subtle. It's very like.
0: Well, yeah, no, it's clear that they know he's off doing something, and they're all aware of what it is, and everybody knows except
1: her. And I think this is one I should note right now, Jason, is that the first I watched this twice because I watch every one of these movies twice, even Doctor Zhivago, it was eighteen hours long. Brendan's a trooper. Um, I liked this a lot more in the second viewing. Yeah, I after the first one, I think a lot of stuff passed me without. Mm me noticing kind of subtext and I think maybe that's what I think at the first watch, I was just like, this is an awful movie, but awful people. And I don't, I feel awful after I watched it, <laughs> but I think, like, I think, uh, I don't know. It, it got, it got through to me more. Yeah. So, I mean, this is the, this is the last little bit. I just wanted to say, so, Uh, this fling with Robert at the very end where she kind of has sex with him and he dumps her to the curb I mean I think that's pretty harsh I think we talked about that it's
0: basically the original ending to Pretty Woman do you know that story that the original ending to Pretty Woman is that Richard Gere would have pulled up at the end of the movie with her in a car and literally opened the door and kicked her out and drove away
1: well you know what I have never seen Pretty Woman
0: oh okay well that's me neither but I know that story of the ending because that was supposed to be a much darker movie than it was and maybe
1: this is the proto Pretty
0: Woman even though she's
1: not an actual prostitute uh pretty woman coming up on the bfi
0: right bfi absolutely <laughs> um, mike nichols he's, is he british i think he's british is it is not directed by mike nichols yes, is it <laughs> i don't know i don't know hold on a sec Let's let me ask siri siri who directed pretty woman pretty woman was directed by gary marshall oh whoa gary marshall he's the british
1: so anyway, that was <laughs> darling, 1965.
0: Well, did you have some background info on that? Because I want to know a little bit more about the about the context of I, it.
1: I do, but for, before we do that, All right. I want to ask your opinion on something. Okay. Why do you think they ended the movie with that woman singing opera in the street? Because there has to be something to that.
0: I mean, you know, opera is a popular uh, genre of music, especially among Italians.
1: Okay. So it might be a, a shout-out to Italy. Shout-out. Shout-out to my Italy! <laughs> No, but it's strange. Like it's almost like the movie doesn't want to end uh, with any like sentimental nonsense, no. which I think we're seeing a lot in this movie. Is that a lot or a lot in this list? Yeah. Is that a lot of these movies? I mean, maybe except for like a- the English Patient in a way. Um, a lot of them don't like to be overly sappy.
0: No, because and, and and I imagine the reason they're on this list is because they were the movies that went against the grain of yes. what the convention was of the time. So mm-hmm. you would see these sappy movies uh, that you you know just have these. Endings designed to manipulate you, uh, but this yeah, this isn't a movie like that. This movie kind of ends on a on a down note that she's being <laughs> sent back to this relationship that she doesn't really want to be in. She do, it doesn't end happy
1: for no. her at all. So yes, so let's talk about. Uh, so I got I do have a little bit of background again, not a lot for this one, but uh, I already said John Schlesinger came from a career of uh, doing documentaries. Doing docs, yeah. He also started out as an actor originally. Oh um then he began began the documentaries his first big documentary was uh, a movie called terminus oh. which he actually won a uh, bafta for which is uh, for those of you who don't know it's like the british equivalent to the oscars basically
0: terminus now is this uh <laughs> i was gonna make a real deep sci-fi reference never
1: mind <laughs> um the film actually started out as an idea by a radio dj a radio dj named godfrey Wynn huh. who had heard a story about an upscale model who basically committed suicide yeah. um, and i think one of the things in that story was that she was ultimately she was bored yeah she nothing was happening uh and he he actually submitted a 10 page draft of a story uh to a friend of his who just happened to be director john schlesinger and schlesinger was interested and he handed it over to frederick Raphael to oh. write the full script so that's kind of how it uh, it came together. Now, Julie uh, Julie Christie, who, by the way, originally was going to be Shirley MacLaine. Yeah, what movie. an
0: interesting... I mean, no, Shirley MacLaine certainly was a hottie back in the day.
1: <laughs> she was hot. <laughs> clearly, she clearly, she was a hottie back in the day. I can't imagine anyone else in this role, though. Yeah, I know. Julie Christie's wonderful. Uh, but yeah, it was going to be Shirley MacLaine uh, until she was replaced at the last... I think pretty close to the last minute, too. But Julie Christie said that uh, Darling was a very difficult project yeah. when she talks about it. Um, she said obviously there are like problems just from the ba- basic idea of filming it out of chronological sequence, mm-hmm. especially for a movie like this. Yeah. There's a lot of emotions to handle. Um, she said that was made even worse by the fact that a lot of the sequences were extremely short and constantly being revised uh, over the course of the shooting schedule. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the day of yeah. stuff would be changed. That's tough on that an man. actor. It is tough on an actor, especially when you're at a sequence and you don't know what emotional level you're supposed to be at. Yeah. She basically said, I didn't know whether my character was coming or going from one moment to the next. Like, well, was... I mean,
0: that kind of... Don't you think that maybe even kind of benefits her? Because she doesn't in some ways, like... like... That's, that's... Yeah, yeah
1: that, is, that is actually a thing I was thinking of. I thought about, too, when I was reading that. It's like, she's kind of... That, that character's doing that, too. Mm-hmm. She's kind of just... She's kind of just bouncing around. She's kind of free-floating, you yeah. know what I mean? She, Wherever the so wind it, takes her. Yeah, it's uh, very much so. Having said that, let's let's talk about... Uh, the. Cr- critique of this film and what what kind of one more thing i just want to mention oh sorry heard the
0: background yes Uh,
1: just just an interesting connection
0: i did not know uh lawrence harvey is that his name oh yeah yeah uh lawrence harvey's daughter is named domino harvey jason yeah wasn't there a film about her there was a film about her she was a bounty hunter
1: what was that film called that film was called brendan Domino. Directed by the late Tony Scott. Yeah.
0: Uh, that, I've not seen that movie. It's but not I'd heard good. Of it. No, I know. I heard it wasn't great. It's but, not good at all. But what a weird connection that his daughter, that we see in this movie, grew up to be a fucking bounty hunter and then died.
1: Yeah. How a did she real die? life bounty hunter. I should have oh, looked at I, that. Think, I think drugs. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was drugs. She yeah, had a yeah. lot of issues. It's a hard that. life being a bounty hunter. Yes. <laughs> Ass dog.
0: Yeah. So but but I guess what we're saying is if you have a choice, watch Darling and not Domino.
1: Yeah, Domino's a mess. It's <laughs> it's basically like um it's the same style as like Man on Fire, which I really like. Yeah. But without all the positive parts of Man uh, on Fire. So,
0: so I was hoping it would be like Days of Thunder, my favorite Tony Scott film.
1: No, it's just it's it's the style is off the wall it's crazy Does anybody
0: say that they look like a monkey fucking a football out there
1: uh not that i recall mm. does anybody get asked to drop the hammer not that i recall shit okay then don't see it <laughs> it's not days of, days of thunder um okay so the at the oscars this movie actually did quite well yeah which surprised me because yeah, i had no movie. idea yeah because again this is a movie i had never heard of didn't know existed <laughs> nope. and when it came up i was like oh that's our next movie cool yeah i, <laughs> I thought it
0: would be like some like like uh, family drama of like a married couple going through like a late life uh, uh, relationship issue.
1: Yeah, all I knew, and, well, actually, I didn't even know it was Julie Christie. I just uh, just saw that Julie Christie was in it. Like, right. good enough for me. Nineteen sixties, Julie Christie. Before, actually you know what before I even mention the Oscars I want to say this is the same year this is the same year we mentioned it before but it's the same year as Dr. Zhivago this thing is night and day yeah. compared to Dr. Zhivago Julie Christie obviously a very sexual sexual person in this movie mm-hmm. in Zhivago not at all well let's talk about the Oscars so it is nominated these are the ones it is nominated for and did not win so it was nominated for Best Director uh, it lost to uh, Robert Wise for The Sound of Music uh, the other ones that were nominated were David Lean for Dr. Zhivago mm-hmm. um, Hiroshi Teshigahara got it for Women in the Dunes and... oh I've
0: heard of that movie my friend uh, my friend Luke has watched that movie and hates
1: it <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he thinks it's, he just hates it bonus episode yep uh, we'll and, bring him on and we'll talk about it. <laughs> and William Wyler for The Collector. So Sound of Music wins Best Director. Best Picture, it's also nominated. Sound of Music wins there as well. Again, the other nominees for Best Picture were Dr. Zhivago, again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ship of Fools and A Thousand Clowns, which to me sounds terrifying yeah. if it's anything like what the title says. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I don't want to see that movie at all. Is that on the list? <laughs> it better not be. <laughs> we're skipping it. <laughs> uh, but it wins several. it wins three awards. So it's nominated for three, wins three. Wins best costume design, which I can definitely see.
0: Yeah, I mean, she's a model, and certainly the fashion in the movie is
1: contemporary and very cool. Best original screenplay. And of course, Julie Christie, best leading actress. Uh, She wins. So this is again, Sound of Music is back and forth between them. She actually beats Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music. Not beats her up, but she beats her in that category. Uh, Samantha Eger in The Collector, Elizabeth Hartman in Patch of Blue, and Simone Signoret in Ship of Fools. So biggest thing though is uh, Loses to the Sound of Music twice Beats the Sound of Music once <laughs> so, And I do want to play um, Her speech Because it's uh, quite long So we're going to be here a while Jason I, I do apologize <laughs> Alright that's okay I don't think I can say anything Except to thank everyone concerned And especially my darling John Schlesinger For this wonderful honor Thank you That took too long we'll have to cut the episode down
0: uh yeah no that's it it's very brief and to the point she's not quite not quite alfred hitchcock's thank you
1: but pretty damn close or um uh oh my god from the english patient cali berry from the english patient <laughs> the hell's her name juliette uh, binoche yeah it's not quite juliette binoche either who didn't even prepare one uh oh, not good because she had thought remember she had thought that uh uh, that uh, uh what's her name uh, lauren mccall yeah lauren mccall yeah. was gonna win so interestingly this movie is a movie that was uh got a little critical praise at the time but now with modern audiences has a kind of a mixed reception
0: what david thompson uh who wrote a book about this uh, uh well wrote a book on john slushier what did he have to say about it
1: <laughs> well he said that uh, this film deserves a place in every archive to show how rapidly modishness withers Beauty is central to the cinema and Schlesinger seems an unreliable judge of it, overrating Christie, which I think is bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. And rarely getting close enough to the action to make a fruitful stylistic bond with it. That's an interesting perspective. But but Brendan, what would Tom Raines say about that? Well, I don't know about Tom Raines, but Tony Raines <laughs> was also none too positive, and he said that the movie is a leaden rehash of ideas from Godard and Antonioni and Bergman. Uh yeah, and you know, he said something else, but it doesn't make any- I don't know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> well, what did Bosley from Charlie's Angels have to say about this? Well, I'm not sure about Bosley from Charlie's Angels, but Bosley Crother of the New York Times said that Schlesinger made a film that will set tongues to wagging and moralists wringing their hands.
0: Nice. I like that. That's a good quote. But the thing is, what would Leonard Maltin of the Leonard Maltin movie guy, what would Leonard Malton have to say?
1: Well, I mean, I'll tell you what he did say. What did he say? He said that the movie is a trendy, influential 60s film in flashy form and cynical content. Now, in terms of the box office, so, I mean, you get a lot of differing things there. It's it's kind of interesting uh, how people saw it. Leonard Maltin, again, liked it. Bosley Crother liked it. The other two, not so much. Uh, the film barely cost a million dollars. Now, that's in today's money. Oh, just under a million dollars. So in today's money, in today's that's money, that's a cheap ass movie. Yeah, um, to make and because of its success in America, because it did not do well in England. and like the UK. too sexy for England. <laughs> that's right. Well, how do you think we argued too sexy for America? Nineteen sixty-five. It was the wrong kind of sexy. Look at the sexuality. England. Look at the sexuality in Javago compared to this one. Yeah, crazy difference. Very different. Yeah, um, but it made twelve million dollars worldwide. Which again, I'm I'm making that like today's money. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it, 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 12 times its budget, which is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it had to do internationally, so it wouldn't work out to as much as mm. if you made it, you know, in your home country or whatever. Yeah. But again, mostly due to its success in America. So Jason. Brendan. Darling. Darling. Darling? The, the film Darling. Oh, sorry. Yes. I thought you uh, were just calling me Darling. No, you, you started on buttonings. So I just wanted to make sure you knew. <laughs> uh, this was, this is uh this is, this film is number 83 on the list. What do you think? Uh, now, I should say, let's not let's not say where it falls anymore from this point forward. Just we're going to kill, keep that. We're, we're going to, every, every, I think we've decided that after 20 episodes, after we've done 20 of these movies, we're going to rank them, we're going to do a little awards thing on our opinion and what we thought. A retrospective, if you will. Yeah, a little retrospective uh, of, like, where we are so far. Okay. So, without telling us exactly where it falls, <laughs> uh, number 83 on the list, Darling. Darling, what did you think? Well, it's definitely better than The English Patient. Uh, (laughs) but no this
0: i really like this movie a lot it was not what i expected it to be um i i really enjoyed julie christie Uh, she is magnificent in this movie um and i I think a lot of why i really like this movie was the setting the time being able to see london like that being able to see people in kind of that swing uh but i enjoyed the story of it too like i enjoyed watching her so like, like, I find sometimes with these old movies, like older movies, they can be a bit, like like I feel about them in the same way that I feel about reading like something academic in school where it's like, oh, this is, this is something I, sh-. like Zhivago might actually be like this in some ways where it's like, I should read this, I'm going to read it, I'm going to appreciate it for what it is and how important it is, but it's real hard to sit down sometimes and just get through it. Uh, with this, I didn't have that problem. Like, uh, this is, this is an older movie that I was pretty compelled with the whole time. Uh, and enjoyed it quite a bit and, and really enjoyed thinking about it and, and kind of its politics uh, and what it means in in you know the context of the 60s but also in a modern context. So I really did enjoy it a lot. Brendan?
1: Well, Jason, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, like I said earlier, I think I alluded to this earlier, but the first time I watched this, I did not really care for it. I think I appreciated it more than I liked it at first. Uh, but on the second viewing, I got more out of it. I think this is a movie that owes itself to a second viewing because i think you can Mm. pull subtext out of it that you may have missed the first time it's the lowest ranked one we've done so far and i don't think it's the lowest ranked for me that's all i'll say i'll tell you all the stuff i really liked Mm -hmm. julie christie obviously in every single way Mm -hmm. she's beautiful she's amazing in this movie it's like terrific performance um, some of the shots, just in general, like the way it's framed. The charity dinner scene is like one of the best scenes in the film, I think. Mm-hmm. The, just the just the irony and yeah. you know, over the top gorging. <laughs> yeah, combined with you know the charity aspect. Uh, the mirror montage we talked about. Uh, just various like quick bits during the first hour and the positive representation of a gay male character with mm-hmm. Malcolm. Yeah, some of the stuff I didn't like. Uh, some of it's like really some of it's very dated. Obviously, we talked about the the cross dressing party. It's kind of you know comes across as a little like borderline offensive um a lot of characters are not very very likable it's kind of hard to get into it at times who is likable i mean i mean ultimately i think she is like honestly she does some questionable stuff but i think we're there with her for the ride uh not to make a sexual (laughs) (laughs) but not that kind of ride but we're there i think we're there for her As, as we we might be like oh why does she do that oh why does she do that but i think ultimately we have to be because she's in every scene she were constantly with along with her for the ride she's kind of like that friend where you're like you're friends with them but you're also at the same time like oh why are you doing that why yeah. are you doing that um not you're to rooting, say that, you,
0: what you're saying is you're rooting for her
1: yeah you're rooting for her not not to say that there's people other people in the we don't do things that are questionable because mm. that's certainly not the case Uh, just nobody's perfect in this movie. I I think that's what makes realistic characters. Yeah. Um, I did, I do find like the pacing is kind of a little over the, all over the place. Yeah. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. There are slow parts and parts that just, just fly by. Like they're
1: just the fast cuts. Yeah. Um, I think it's a little too long. Yeah. I think, I think over two hours is a little much for this, for this kind of movie. It is. But But it didn't didn't feel that long to me, but I also had four smokes in the course of it. So (laughs) I, I I did, I don't smoke, but I did have to pause and plague a, a few times, but you know what? I like it. I like it. I think it's a solid, uh, solid movie. Eighty three seems fine right now. Yeah. Um, again, we don't. We have a lot of.
0: We'll have to see more in the eighties to make a better, better. Uh, I guess determination if that is uh, correct or not. What uh, What is that surrounded by?
1: Uh, you know, other movies.
0: Other movies. We'll <laughs> but there.
1: But um, yeah. So that was Darling. Darling. Uh, but Jason, check it out on DVD and VHS. <laughs> time for me really so, remember because i have to do two in a row do you yeah i, I do. mean i mean
0: i know you do because i did do two in a row but that doesn't mean i can't i can't pretend that i'm offended by the very idea well what are we talking
1: about that what i'm about to do Jason?
0: oh the die the dice we're gonna roll some dice and we're gonna figure out what our next movie is if we get the same movie that we've already done if we get that number guess what roll again and we keep rolling until we get a unique number. This is going to be really hard on film 99. Or 98, <laughs> I guess. Okay. I
1: think if we, we get to that. 99, we have to roll until we get the number. We'll t- <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. You know what? I was going to make a change to that rule. No, nope, that's <laughs> going to be it. Why is their new episode three and a half hours long? There's 1,800 <laughs> dice rolls. So I'm going to roll the dice, find out the number on the list of the next movie we will be doing, and here we go. Give it to me, baby. Lawrence of Arabia? Seven come eleven. Ooh, eleven. That was fucking weird. Yeah. What did you just do, Jason? I don't know. (laughs) Seven come eleven? Is that what you said? (laughs) That's what I said, yeah. Yikes. Uh, So we just made a lot of money. Alright, so number eleven. We are doing... 1957's The Bridge on the River Kwai. Fuck yes. And this is a movie I, I watched alert. about half of
0: recently. So. <laughs> Spoiler
1: alert. I wonder what Jason opinion's is going to be. <laughs> I've never seen this, so awesome. we'll see what happens. You're in for, you're in for a treat. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe if I'll you like David it. Lean. Maybe I'll hate it.
0: Maybe you will. But this, this is a film. We've got Alec Guinness and a Japanese fellow whose name I cannot remember but is amazing. So okay. we, we will talk about
1: that more next week. Uh, yes, but as for us, God save the queen. God save the screen. And for Screen & Country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. Bye. Good night.
0: Tu sais bien Ce n'est pas la fin De notre amour Ne me dis pas toujours Que tu ne m'aimes pas Je ne t'aime pas Oui, tu sais bien Que ce n'est pas la fin Tu
1: verras Que tu n'auras Check out Piecing It Together on your favorite podcast app or check us out on piecingpod.com. You can also follow us on social media at piecingpod. Piecing It Together is a part of the All Points West Podcast Network. We're happy to have you with us this evening and want you to enjoy every minute of your stay here. Listen to me. Please listen. Listen. If you don't, if
0: you won't, if you fail to understand, then the same incredible terror that's
1: menacing me will strike at you! first. Hi, I'm Jay Batts. And I'm Michael. And we're the hosts of a
0: very thought-provoking show called The What If Podcast. On it, we'll explore the big and little what-ifs of life and steer our listeners toward a better understanding of the real or hypothetical situations we might find ourselves in or not. On our journey, we'll learn interesting facts and fictions about the everyday world. And sometimes, most of the times, we'll dive headlong into rabbit holes that slide up against the subject and sharply turn away from it. Come along with us. We'll have fun and learn something new together. New episodes release every other Tuesday. Find us
1: on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, and anywhere fine podcasts are archived.